Greetings from St Bride's Church, Fleet Street, here in the very heart of the City of London. We're delighted that you're tuning into this podcast during this Easter season. We've been offering these online services every week since the first lockdown began. Each act of worship combines archive recordings of our choir and congregational singing together with newly recorded readings, intercessions and sermons. Do please leave a comment or a like and tell us where you're listening from. It's always lovely to hear from you. And if you would like to donate to help support these online services, you'll find details in the accompanying text. May the light and peace of Christ be with us all as our worship begins. Jesus said, this is my commandment, that you love one another.
Christ be with you. Alleluia, Christ is risen. Please be seated. A very warm welcome to St. Bride's to our choral Eucharist on this, the sixth Sunday of Easter. Wherever you are in the world, and however you're listening to us, we hope that you will feel that you are very much part of the St. Bride's family. We begin now with our opening prayer. Let us pray. Almighty God, to whom all hearts are open, all desires known, and from whom no secrets are hidden, cleanse the thoughts of our hearts by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit, that we may perfectly love you and worthily magnify your holy name, through Christ our Lord. Amen. Christ, our Passover Lamb, has been sacrificed for us. Let us therefore rejoice by putting away all malice and evil and confessing our sins with a sincere and true heart. Almighty God, our Heavenly Father, we have sinned against you and against our neighbour in thought and word and deed through negligence, through weakness, through our own deliberate fault. We are truly sorry and repent of all our sins. For the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, who died for us, forgive us all that is past and grant that we may serve you in newness of life to the glory of your name. Amen. Almighty God, who forgives all who truly repent, have mercy upon you. Pardon and deliver you from all your sins. Confirm and strengthen you in all goodness and keep you in life eternal. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen.
God, our Redeemer, you have delivered us from the power of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of your Son. Grant that as by his death he has recalled us to life, so by his continual presence in us he may raise us to eternal joy. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who is alive and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. The first reading is taken from Acts, chapter 10, beginning at the 44th verse. While Peter was still saying this, the Holy Spirit fell on all who heard the word. And the believers from among the circumcised who came with Peter were amazed, because the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out even on the Gentiles. For they heard them speaking in tongues and extolling God. Then Peter declared, Can anyone forbid water for baptising these people who have received the Holy Spirit just as we have? And he commanded them to be baptised in the name of Jesus Christ. Then they asked him to remain for some days. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
The epistle is taken from the first letter of John, chapter 5, beginning at the first verse. Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ is a child of God, and everyone who loves the parent loves the child. By this we know that we love the children of God, when we love God and obey his commandments. For this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments. And his commandments are not burdensome, for whatever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that overcomes the world, our faith. Who is it that overcomes the world but he who believes that Jesus is the Son of God? This is he who came by the water and blood, Jesus Christ, not with the water only, but with the water and the blood. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
Hear the Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to John. Jesus said, As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing, but I have called you friends. For all that I have heard from my Father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you, and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit, and that your fruit should abide, so that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give it to you. This I command you, to love one another. This is the Gospel of the Lord. In the name of the living God, Father, Son and Holy Spirit. Amen. Some years ago, I was fortunate enough to have for a time a truly wonderful spiritual director. She was a Roman Catholic nun who was an absolute well of wisdom and insight. She was kind and patient and attentive but she also had the capacity to be both very astute and extremely challenging. I learned a huge amount from her, not only about God and about the life of faith, but also about myself, and I shall remain forever in her debt. And I can remember one particular conversation that we had that has stayed with me, in which she was describing to me a phenomenon that she called soap opera morality. Soap opera morality. Imagine for a moment the standard kind of soap opera storyline in which person A, who is married to person B, falls in love with person C. The drama comes to a head when person A finally decides to leave person B in order to go and live with person C. And in justifying this action, person A tells the distraught person B, I can't help how I feel. I can't help how I feel. That, my lovely nun said to me, is classic soap opera mentality. Let's think about that for a moment. After all, at an entirely superficial level, it is probably true that for much of the time, 
we can't help how we feel, simply because feelings are feelings. If, for example, I see someone close to me being treated badly, I may well feel angry or upset on their behalf. That is not in itself a good or a bad thing, it's just how it is. Just as, far less commendably, in another kind of situation, I might find myself feeling, feeling envious or resentful. The fact that we feel what we feel isn't the problem. The problem comes when we convince ourselves that such feelings are in themselves justifications for our actions. During my early years of ministry, I had a senior colleague who had a very significant problem with anger management. If he was feeling angry or frustrated or thwarted or wrong-footed for any reason, he would need to give the nearest available person, usually me, the emotional equivalent of a good kicking, even when the recipient had nothing at all to do with the issue. That was bad enough in itself. It really did have quite a devastating impact on me in quite a range of ways. But worse still was the way in which he then justified it. When I first knew him, he had recently acquired a book that was called something like The Theology of Anger, which convinced him that it re really was very important to express your rage, to get it out. After having done so, he himself felt much better, of course, so he forgot all about it and expected everyone else to behave as if nothing had happened. But I don't think that it ever occurred to him to think about the effect that his behaviour had on the people whom he savaged in his violent rages. And I choose my words carefully. It may be true that we can't help how we feel, but we are most certainly responsible and answerable for what we do with those feelings. If our actions were solely and exclusively dictated by what we happened to be feeling moment by moment, I doubt that any kind of mature human relationship of any kind would be possible. Where our actions are concerned, feelings alone justify nothing. There are three really interesting themes in our Gospel reading this morning. A reading in which we heard Jesus preparing to take his leave of his disciples. And the first of these relates very directly to what I've just been speaking about. When Jesus gives the disciples a new and incredibly important and at first sight a rather baffling commandment, namely that they are to love one another as he has loved them. Some of you may have heard me observe before now what a bizarre instruction that might appear to be, in the sense that we do not normally think of love as being something that we can be commanded to do, any more than you can command somebody to like lumpy custard or jellied eels. But that is because we tend to think of love 
as being a feeling that happens to us or doesn't, and so remains basically outside our control. But what Jesus is talking about here is not feelings, but conduct, how we behave towards one another. We are charged to behave lovingly, regardless of how we happen to be feeling towards a specific individual. The point being that if we get into the habit of behaving like that, then in time, that will begin to affect our relationship with the world, which in turn will begin to transform the kind of person we are. Jesus is requiring us to think about how we relate to one another, particularly to those whom we find most challenging, as a fundamental imperative of the gospel. At which point we find ourselves being confronted by the exact opposite of soap opera morality. Because instead of, I can't help the fact that I dislike you, so I have no choice but to express that in the way that I behave towards you because I can't help how I feel. Instead of that, we encounter the marvellous inverted logic of the gospel, which goes more like this. At the feelings level, I really don't like you, if I'm honest. But the gospel requires me to regard you as a precious child of God and to behave towards you in that way, despite what my personal feelings might be. And if I commit myself to treating you in a loving and respectful manner, it is likely that in time, not only will I find myself thinking about you differently, but that my feelings towards you will also change. And because I refuse to allow my conduct towards you to be dictated by my feelings, it is entirely possible that eventually you might begin to relate to me differently as well. And the world will be that little bit different as a result. And the consequence of all of that is the second important theme of which Jesus speaks in our Gospel reading today, which is joy. Joy is not the same thing at all as pleasure, although we can make the mistake of regarding the two as basically the same thing. If you don't believe me, try substituting the words in the Christmas carol, joy to the world. The phrase, pleasure to the world, would make no sense at all. The reason being that pleasure is basically to do with personal gratification. We may derive pleasure from doing something utterly self-indulgent, enjoying a cream cake or a particularly fine glass of wine, or from doing something that is entirely generous and praiseworthy, as in the sense of satisfaction you can feel when you know that you have helped and supported someone who was in need. But because it is personal in that way, pleasure is by its nature fleeting and transitory. By contrast, it seems to me that joy, properly understood, 
is something that is much more important and more profound than that. Because joy is not ultimately to do with specific experiences that are personally gratifying. Rather, joy is a state of mind, a state of being. And whereas pleasure is essentially inward-looking, joy is by its very nature something that we communicate outwards. Love and joy. And thirdly, as Jesus explains to his disciples in our Gospel reading, the reason why he is commanding them to love so that they may know true joy is in order that they may go out and bear fruit, fruit that will last. Love, joy, fruit, a very simple equation. I wonder what people see and experience when they encounter us, whether as individuals or as a church community. Do they look at us, at the way we behave, at our actions and our words and the ways in which we relate to one another and see something different. See something that sets us apart as people of faith, as a community charged not only to proclaim but to live out the love and the joy and the fruit of the Spirit. I wonder. There's an old saying that the Christian faith is caught, not taught, because love and joy and the fruit that is the product of lives filled with love and joy, those things are utterly contagious. And thanks be to God for that. Amen. Let us now stand and affirm our faith in the words of the Creed. We believe in one God, the Father, the Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, of all that is seen and unseen. We believe in one Lord, Jesus Christ, the only Son of God, eternally begotten of the Father, God from God, light from light, True God from true God, begotten not made, of one being with the Father. Through him all things were made, for us and for our salvation. He came down from heaven, was incarnate from the Holy Spirit and the Virgin Mary, and was made man. For our sake he was crucified under Pontius Pilate. He suffered death and was buried. On the third day he rose again, in accordance with the scriptures. He ascended into heaven, and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again in glory, to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will have no end. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son who with the Father and the Son is worshipped and glorified, who has spoken through the prophets. We believe in one holy, Catholic and apostolic church. 
we acknowledge one baptism for forgiveness of sins. We look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen. Let us pray. The response to the bidding, Lord, for the years is, we give you thanks. Lord of the morning, we thank you for bringing us together, following in the footsteps of those who have worshipped at St Bride's down the centuries, and where we now ask you to hear the prayers we offer. We pray for Her Majesty the Queen as she begins to adjust to life without her devoted husband, Prince Philip, and for her enduring service to this country and the Commonwealth. For Alison, our Rector, and Jeff, our Associate Priest, and for all who have made it possible for us to join in this act of worship. Lord, for the years, we give you thanks. As restrictions are gradually eased and we can once again be with family and friends, help us to act responsibly so that we do not endure the pain and suffering of a further outbreak of COVID-19. We give thanks for the courage, commitment and dedication of all working on the front line who deliver healthcare and other public services. We remember and pay tribute to the VE Day generation, all who sacrificed their lives for our freedom today. The hope and prayer then, as it is now, that we never again experience the horrors of war. To that end we pray for peace in war-torn regions throughout our troubled world. Guide those in power so that people of all nations may enjoy a lasting peace. Lord, for the years, we give you thanks. Lord of all, enrich our lives with the vision of your goodness and fill us with gratitude for all you have done for us. We bring to your care all whose lives are blighted by sorrow and suffering and who are finding life difficult to cope with. Give them comfort and hope when all seems lost. We pray for the people of India, suffering from the devastation of the pandemic. Lord, for the years, we give you thanks. Healing God, be with all who are unwell and suffering and for whom life brings little happiness. Bring peace to the anxious courage to the fearful, and rest to the weary. In a moment of quietness, we think of all known to us who are in need of our prayers, and those who have no one to pray for them. God of the spirits, receive the souls of our loved ones and friends who are now departed from us, Give them rest in your eternal kingdom where all suffering has ended and the clouds of earth's sorrow are lifted. We pray the sorrow of mourning is softened by the memories that we will always cherish in our hearts. Lord, for the years, we give you thanks. Lord of the morning, we ask you to bless the animals that enrich our lives particularly our pets, who have become our constant companions during the past uncertain months. 
guard and protect small creatures that have no voice. We thank you for the glory of your creation, for the wide sky, for the oceans and streams, for mist-shrouded hills and whispering wind, this season of blossom, the scent of freshly cut grass. As we walk through life, help us to understand the responsibility we have to keep this treasure, your earth, safe from harm. Merciful Father, accept, accept these, prayers these prayers for the, the sake, sake of your, your Son, Son our, our Saviour, Jesus, Jesus Christ. Christ. Amen. Will you please stand? The risen Christ came and stood among his disciples and said, Peace be with you. Then were they glad when they saw the Lord. Alleluia. The peace of the Lord be always with you. Blessed are you, Lord God of all creation. Through your goodness we have this bread to offer, which earth has given and human hands have made. It will become for us the bread of life. Blessed be God forever. 
Blessed are you, Lord God of all creation. Through your goodness we have this wine to offer, fruit of the vine and work of human hands. It will become our spiritual drink. Blessed be God forever. It is indeed right, it is our duty and our joy, at all times and in all places, to give you thanks and praise. Holy Father, Heavenly King, Almighty and Eternal God, through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord. But chiefly we are bound to praise you because you raised him gloriously from the dead. For he is the true Paschal Lamb who was offered for us and has taken away the sin of the world. By his death, he has destroyed death, and by his rising to life again, he has restored to us everlasting life. Therefore, with angels and archangels, and with all the company of heaven, we proclaim your great and glorious name, forever praising you and singing.
Accept our praises, Heavenly Father, through your Son, our Saviour, Jesus Christ. And as we follow his example and obey his command, grant that by the power of your Holy Spirit, these gifts of bread and wine may be to us his body and his blood, who in the same night that he was betrayed took bread and gave you thanks. He broke it and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take, eat. This is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup and gave you thanks. He gave it to them, saying, Drink this, all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this as often as you drink it, in remembrance of me. Therefore, Heavenly Father, we remember his offering of himself made once for all upon the cross. We proclaim his mighty resurrection and glorious ascension. We look for the coming of his kingdom, and with this bread and this cup, we make the memorial of Christ, your Son, our Lord. Great is the mystery of faith. Christ has died. Christ is risen. Christ will come again. Accept through him, our great high priest, this our sacrifice of thanks and praise. And as we eat and drink these holy gifts in the presence of your divine majesty, renew us by your spirit, inspire us with your love, and unite us in the body of your Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. Through him, and with him and in him, in the unity of the Holy Spirit, with all who stand before you in earth and heaven, we worship you, Father Almighty, in songs of everlasting praise. Blessing and honour and glory and power be yours for ever and ever. Amen. Let us pray with confidence as our Saviour has taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever and ever. Amen. We break this bread to share in the body of Christ. Though we are many, we are one body, because we all share in one bread. Draw near with faith. Receive the body of our Lord Jesus Christ, which he gave for you, and his blood, which he shed for you. Eat and drink in remembrance that he died for you, and feed on him in your hearts by faith with thanksgiving.
we do not presume to come to this your table, merciful Lord, trusting in our own righteousness, but in your manifold and great mercies. We are not worthy so much as to gather up the crumbs under your table, but you are the same Lord, whose nature is always to have mercy. Grant us, therefore, gracious Lord, so to eat the flesh of your dear Son, Jesus Christ, and to drink his blood, that our sinful bodies may be made clean by his body, and our souls washed through his most precious blood, and that we may evermore dwell in him, and he in us. Amen.
Let us pray. God, our Father, whose Son, Jesus Christ, gives the water of eternal life, may we thirst for you, the spring of life and source of goodness, through him who is alive and reigns now and forever. Amen. Amen. Almighty God, we thank you for feeding us with the body and blood of your Son, Jesus Christ. Through him we offer you our souls and bodies to be a living sacrifice. Send us out in the power of your Spirit to live and work to your praise and glory. Amen.
the God of peace, who brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, that great shepherd of the sheep, through the blood of the eternal covenant, make you perfect in every good work to do his will, working in you that which is well-pleasing in his sight, and the blessing of God Almighty, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, be among you and remain with you always. Amen. Amen.